The Lord your God is in your midst. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in His love. He will exult over you with loud singing. That's Zephaniah 3.17, and this is the Living the Word Bible Podcast. I'm Sarah Chris Meyer, talking with women about the Bible and the difference it makes in our lives. Imagine the Lord exulting over you with loud singing. Have you ever felt love like that? And do you know God loves you like that? My guest today has devoted her life to helping people know that they are truly loved and have been from the start, out of the box, as she likes to say. In fact, I have a bracelet from her with those words on it, kind of like those WWJD bracelets, you know, only this one says, remember, you are loved. Martha Fernandez Sardina, welcome to the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you, Sarah. It's so good to be with you. So glad to have you with me here today. You know, Martha, when we first met back in the day, you were starting up this brand new Office for Evangelization in San Antonio, way back when the new evangelization was really new. It was like kind of a new buzzword out there. And uh, since then, I know you've been sharing your passion for God all over the United States, actually outside of the United States, in Spanish and English both. You've been on radio, television, many programs. You've contributed to faith formation programs, including a number by the uh, Augustine Institute, but underlying all of these is that main focus of that tiny little bracelet, remember you are loved. And I'd love for you to tell us about that mission that you have. Well, as you said, I have been involved in evangelization for quite a while. In fact, I began when I had my own conversion at the age of 15 in a more dedicated and devoted manner at the age of 18 when I had a reconversion or actually a recommitment to the Lord but as a professional working for the church. And I always proclaim to people as part of the curriculum, you know, the, the, the gospel in a nutshell, that God is love. But it dawned on me one day in the most unexpected of manners that we are not proclaiming that message of love as often, as powerfully, as consistently, as personally as we ought. And uh, the way it happened was that I saw that in a flyer, you know, one of those mailers that you get when the official holiday season begins, and I put that in quotes, sometime after Thanksgiving or earlier, right? After, after Halloween. Halloween or something. Sometimes even before Halloween, you're getting all this stuff, you know, holiday season. Anyway, I saw in a little magazine that there was a portrait and it said, you are loved. And I thought to myself, ah, I like that. I'm going to get it for myself. And then I recognized, no, I said to myself, no self, you, you don't say that to yourself. I mean, you do, <laughs> but you know that you are loved from the outside in. In other words, other people help you recognize that you are loved, your mother, your father, your grandparents, your siblings, your aunts, uncles, etc. Even a baby in the womb receives from the outside in the caresses of love when the mom rubs the belly and when they hear, children hear sometimes voices, they hear the voices of their parents and they recognize that when they're born. I've had uh, stories of her uh, fathers whose child looks at them when they recognize their voice. At any mm. rate, I recognize this is something that comes from the outside in and so I decided to gift my nephews and nieces and my brothers and my sisters-in-law with a portrait that would say, you are loved. And I could tell you the story with details. And then that turned into Remember You Are Loved, which is a new evangelization outreach project by which we help people recognize three basic truths from which all other gospel truths flow. 
which are you are lovable, you are love able because God is love. And of course, it's in the inverse order, but that's how I proclaim it through talks and retreats and love outreach projects and radio and television and one-on-one with what I call daily love encounters. And things like giving people these wristbands. Absolutely. The wristbands and the t-shirts, I'm wearing one right now, they are love messaging items. They were designed to message others. And that's why they say, remember, you are loved because the person who is reading that message on the t-shirt or on the mug that you can give them, you can personalize it, you can even put their name and your name on it. And those who receive the wristband, they know that the you is them. The you is, I am that you that you're talking to. And then this is, happens to me often. I wear them often. I have them in gray and white and red, at long sleeve, short sleeve, Spanish, English. I even had some in Portuguese when I first launched this in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil for World Youth Day, at World Youth Day. The person who's looking at them and when I'm wearing them, I'm walking through a mall, I'm walking through an airport. I forget often that I'm wearing it and I have people give me thumbs up. Or people will that? point at it, yeah, and say, I needed to hear that message. And of course, it mm. says .com on the bottom so that people can then go to the website, which currently is redirected to the Facebook page and get the rest of the story. By whom, since when, why, how, etc. Well, I know I've, since you gave me some of your wristbands a while ago, I've given them to other people and I just love the smile on their face when I give them that message in, in that tangible way. Of course, you know, hopefully I pass on that message in practical ways of actually loving them also. But I think you really hit on something that it's important for us to tell other people they are loved. Yes, we have to show and tell like we used to do. Remember in kindergarten, first grade, we have to show and tell. It's, it's not one or the other, it's both. But the wristbands are a little outreach item that helps break the ice. It, it helps us touch someone, literally. You're touching them when you're putting yeah. the wristband on them and you're touching their hearts. And the words are simple, but powerful. And I, I will have people who will, you said smile. That is what most often I get. But I also have had people cry. They start tearing mm. up and they cry. And I go, why? And he said, because I needed to hear that, or I haven't heard that said to me in a long time, or I'll have people mm. say, how did you know that I needed to hear that? And I will then say, I didn't know, but God did. And he has given mm. you his love through me. And so it's, it's, a, it's what I call genuine gestures of human love, you know, spontaneous gestures of human love. It's one small way of spreading a little love around. And uh, that's exactly what happened when I when I first uh, developed it with my nephews and nieces. I got the response from two of them. One of them, when he saw I had it printed out and, and framed, and I wrote a card and saying, you know, you may not be, to each one of them, uh, said something somewhat similar. You may not be the most famous. You may not be the most popular. But remember, you are loved. You may not become the richest or, or the most, you know, well-known person. But remember, you are loved. I said a few things. And then I said, by God and by me, love the Martha, which is Aunt Martha. And one of my nephews, he looked at me and he's very quiet. And you don't get a whole lot of response from him from about uh, about a lot of, about anything. And, and he looked at me and he kind of uh, bounced it back to me. And he, he kind of lifted his head and, and went like, you know, like he, he sent the message back and he said, so are you. And I Aww. thought, wow, the person who is loved, loves in return. The person who is messaged, messages back. And then I have a niece who um, has declared herself an atheist and has quite a bit of animosity, I would say, toward church teaching. She doesn't accept church teaching. And she said to me, isn't he, this was Christmas, she said, isn't he a neat guy that on his birthday, we get gifts? 
Mm. Now, she was praising Jesus Christ. In her mind as an atheist, he should be a man who lived 2,000 years ago and is dead. She was praising him without realizing it. So I realized that it has, back to the question about evangelization, this is a, a new evangelization outreach project because it has evangelistic potential. People who perhaps are not expecting you as a practicing Catholic to love message them as an atheist who has a problem with the church. And when they receive the love, they respond in some manner that maybe they themselves didn't expect. So I've seen wonderful things with this outreach, uh, Sarah, and there are over 13, 15,000, maybe more wristbands all around the world, actually in more than a nine, 90 or 100 countries, because wow. I myself love message 3,000 people <laughs> in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 10 days and put well, up wristbands know, on people from over 90 countries. That's incredible. And, you know, as I think about that, something you just said, we love because we first are loved. And this passion that you have for spreading the love of Christ must come from you having experienced God's love. And I just wonder, how did God's love come alive to you? Did you have some big experience or how have you experienced God's love? Well, I had a uh, conversion experience uh, between the age of 14 and 15 when for the first time in my life, I was in a, a Catholic setting in a Catholic school receiving for the first time ever religious instruction on a regular basis. We had religious sisters who ran the school, habit-wearing nuns, and my religion teacher I had two, which I remember very fondly. And the second one in eighth grade, I was now in eighth grade, she was an accordion-playing nun. <laughs> Full habit when she played the accordion. <laughs> and she was young and peppy. And I took a liking to her and she was talking about God to us. And I had grown up in a nominal Catholic family by name only, you know, Christmas and Easter, you know, what we call C&E, mm -hmm. Christmas and Easter or Hatch, Match and Dispatch, you know, they come to church <laughs> for Hatch for the baptism, Match for weddings and Dispatch. They don't come to church they're brought feet first for the Catholic oh. funeral. <laughs> and so, and I don't, I, I'm, talk, I'm not talking now. I, I was one of them, my family. But here I was suddenly at the age of 14 uh, with a very active mind. I, I do have, I've always had. And here I'm talking, they're talking to us about this God who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and omni-loving. You know, the all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, all-loving God. And I asked myself, is there such a God? Because if there is not, I will ignore my religion teacher the way I ignored my French teacher, which is why I don't speak French, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But I thought to myself, if this is true, this is worth giving your entire life to. Hmm. So I did three things that I recommend highly anyone do and recommend to others. And that is find out what the claims are and what the evidence is. So ask Jesus directly to reveal himself to you. So pray, mm -hmm. pray to the God you're not sure exists in case he does. Ask him, reveal yourself to me. Because I figured that if I was interested in knowing about his existence, he was all the more interested in revealing himself to me because he's God. So everything is magnified, is greater. That was the first thing, pray. Secondly, find out again, the evidence, the claims and the evidence by reading what Jesus said and did. So I decided to read the entire Bible my religion teacher told me, don't do that. Start with the gospel. But I was hard-headed. So I started with Genesis and I loved it. And then Exodus, and that's fine. But then, you know, you get into Deuteronomy. Say, okay. But then, you know, Leviticus, Numbers, Leviticus, all these others. So I humbled myself, which is not a bad thing to do. And I went <sighs> to the gospels and I read the entire New Testament. And oh, Jesus wow. jumped off the pages of sacred scripture. And third, 
alongside all of this, these three things, pray, read scripture, and dialogue or debate with your evangelizer, in this case, my religion teacher. And so over the course of that school year, 14 to 15, those three things led me to a conviction of faith. And I just knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he is. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life and the resurrection. He is my savior, the pearl of great price. And I made a commitment to Christ at the age of 15 on an August 29th. And I know that because I wrote it on the back of a small New Testament in Psalms that I got from someone, the Gideon, you know, those little Gideon oh, things. Yeah. And it says, if you accept Jesus as your savior and this, that, and the other. And so I signed on the dotted line. Oh, nice. Yes. And later I realized, Sarah, that that is the feast of the beheading of John the Baptist. So who knows what awaits me? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I think that's beautiful. And I love the way you said you put prayer first and then scripture, and then it it ends up in a dialogue. And of course, you're bringing your teacher into that dialogue. But I imagine that as you were praying and reading scripture, it the reading of scripture became a dialogue between you and the Lord as he showed himself to you. Not only a dialogue, but the teacher. Jesus is the mm-hmm. teacher. And so, mm-hmm. yes, he was teaching me about himself. Uh, and, and even in prayer, prayer is so both like, as you said, the reading of scripture with prayer becomes a dialogue and a moment, uh, a teaching moment. And sometimes it's hard to explain how this happens, but it shouldn't be because the word of God, Jesus Christ, uses the word of God, the written word of God, the Bible, and, and the orally transmitted word of God in sacred tradition and uh, the authentic magisterium of the church, 2,000-year-old magisterium, uh, to speak to us and to teach us. And so the Holy Spirit has a way, just as Jesus promised, he will guide you into all truth. He has a way of making things clear to us in our in our soul, in our heart, mm. in our mind, that otherwise would not have been clear had the Holy Spirit not been working. And that is true in my life to this very day. There are things that I shouldn't know, but I do know because the Holy Spirit infuses us with knowledge. Mm. So there's that double type of knowledge. There's the knowledge that we get where certainly a lot of scripture tells us about who God is and who we are and what Jesus has done for us. And there's all these kind of facts that get transmitted. And then there are the things that we learn from the church also that kind of help to put those into place. But without the Holy Spirit, it's kind of hard to make that you know, become personal. So the Holy Spirit comes in and makes those speak to our hearts so that we can feel God's love for us personally. Mm-hmm. That's true. That not only, at, which I'm glad you pointed, to make God's love personal, it's the Holy Spirit, St. Paul says it himself, right? That the uh, love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That is what makes the difference. And we see the difference in, in sacred scripture I did at the age of uh, 14, 15, and, and we see it to this day, where it's after Pentecost that they really, really get it. They grasp yeah. what Jesus was teaching. And so each one of us needs to have our own personal Pentecost. Of course, that happens, the coming of the Holy Spirit at baptism and at confirmation. But just as we see in the Acts of the Apostles that they had a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit several times, we too mm-hmm. can ask the Lord to give us a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, a fresh bathing in, in the Holy Spirit uh, to enlighten our minds so that we might grasp the depth, the width, and the height of the love of God for us and grasp 
what he is teaching us through sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and the magisterium. And even this, to grasp what's going on around us, you know, to be able to read the signs of the times. I believe that those of us who are constantly praying for a new Pentecost and receiving a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit and are tuned in to God through prayer and dialogue and reading of scripture, we perceive what's going on around us much better than those who are not doing what I just said. Hmm. Well, I know just from talking to many people and also from my own, uh, my own life experience, you know, we can believe as much as we want that God is love in our heads, but there are times when circumstances kind of strive together to make us doubt you know, maybe we've, you know, been rejected or hated or worse our whole life, maybe even. Maybe we are struggling to pay our bills or to, you know, find a job or a, a child dies or we have an illness or there's something that just isn't fair. And we want to say, God, I thought you loved me. You know, where are you? How can we reconcile that knowledge that God is all good and that he wants the best for us? with the sort of existence and persistence maybe of pain and injustice and sin in the world? Well, one of the things that helps is when we have, when we're surrounded by other people who love us and they will remember who we are and they will remind us of who we are. And that's one thing that I think is important that we have other people who give us the look of love. That reminds me of a quote of Pope Benedict the 16th, God rest his soul in Deus Caritas Est on the love of God and God who is love. In number 18, he says that love of neighbor is thus shown to be possible in the way proclaimed by the Bible, by Jesus. And he says it consists in the very fact that in God and with God, I love even the person who I do not like or even know. And this is the important thing I want to point out. He says, mm. then I learned to look on this other person, not simply with my eyes and my feelings, from the perspective of Jesus Christ, seeing with the eyes of Christ, I can give to others much more than their outward necessities. I can give them the look of love, which they crave. So first thing wow. to your question, we all crave a look of love. When things are going wrong in our lives, when things are falling apart, when we're in crisis, Call upon those friends, have before the crisis, surround yourself with believers who have themselves received the look of love and then can look at you with the look of love so that you might remember you are loved by the gaze of love that you exchange that they give you. And I say this mm -hmm. from personal experience. It was a time, a period in my life where I was going through not a crisis of faith, not a crisis of hope, not a crisis of love, but I was struggling with a number of things that were going on. And I remember saying this even before Deus Caritas S was even written. I said this to a friend, the, the, more than one friend, they would remember who I was and remind me of who I was. And that memory that they had, which was a living memory, it's not like, oh, you in the past, this is who you are. You are not tapping, you're not able, for whatever reason, you're not able to tap into who you are. The crisis, mm. the, the suffering is not allowing you to see reality. Does this make sense? So they're it seeing does. reality and seeing me, who I am, was what kept alive the memory. And so that's that's the first thing. Surround yourself by people who are lovers, 
And like I said, get a lover, be a lover. They got a lover. They got Jesus Christ, who's a lover, and then they become love messengers. Secondly, and this goes alongside with this, that memory, remember who you are. And it's a memory based on what God has done in the past, the past in my life, in your life, but also in the past in salvation history. And in that past, he has promised the future. And that's what Pope Benedict called in the document that he began. And then Pope Francis completed and published under his name and said it was a work of four hands, Lumen Fidei, that encyclical lettering in the popes or Pope talk about memoria futuri. It's the remembrance of the future. And you go, wait a minute, I can't remember the future. I can only remember the past. Yes, but in remembering what God has done for me in the past and the promise he's made about the future, I can rest assured that this crisis, that this situation, that this loss does not have the final word. Mm -hmm. God has the final word and God is love and God loves me. And I know who he is and I know who I am in God. So this too shall pass. So even though, and I want to finish with this, even though at the moment I, you, we may not be experiencing, like sensibly feeling the love of God, the presence of God, the omnipotence of God, the omnipresence of God, the no, no, that God has not gone anywhere. God is right there with you. And God has not withdrawn his love from you because he is always present, always loving, always knowing you, always with you. So that brings to mind Jesus at the cross. You know, wasn't that his, what was his experience? You know, did God actually leave him or did he just feel like he was being abandoned? What do you think about that? Well, I think he was praying a psalm. (laughs) He was praying Psalm 22. (laughs) And so he was embracing there too, as he had throughout the entire passion, he was embracing our plight. He was carrying upon his shoulders our sin. And I mean the sin from Adam, the first man, until the very last man that will ever exist, male or female, that she or he may be. And he was carrying our anguish. And at the human level, he may have felt abandoned, but at least he asked the question, Father, why have you abandoned me? But that very Psalm 22 ends with a song of praise praising God who is there and giving witness to others that God has not gone anywhere and that God's love and presence and power and care have gone nowhere. They're right there. So in the midst of our anguish, in the midst of our loss, in the midst of our troubles, we should and could pray like Jesus, ending with that song of praise, with that a proclamation that God is right there where he always has been at my side. And in the case of those of us who live in a state of grace, which is the ideal that we always live in a state of grace, not only is he by my side, but God lives inside. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. So he's not just walking alongside me. He is residing within me. Yes, Martha, I'm glad that you brought up Psalm 22 that uh, Jesus was saying from the from the cross, because that's something that we can do. We can go to the Psalms the way he did. And he knew the Psalms so well that when he said that first line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
that encapsulated the entire psalm, which, as you mentioned, ends in hope. And if you're listening, you know, you may want to get to know some psalms that well so that when you are in trouble, you can do the same thing. And I want to suggest that you go to Psalm 13 because just as a starting point, because it's only six verses long, it's very easy to do this with, but it sets kind of a pattern for us when we're in trouble. It starts with, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Just kind of getting right down where we might be feeling and meeting us there. But then it lifts your heart until at the end, it's saying, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And you'll see over and over again in the Psalms, this pattern where it meets us in our pain and then lifts our hearts back up to God and to the things that we know to be true, even if we can't feel them. So I think that's the thing. We don't always feel love, and yet we know that we are loved. Absolutely. And you you touched on a word that is key, an action, an act that is key, which I made reference to before, which is we know to be true. We know to be true. And so knowing who God is and knowing who you are is extremely important. I often give a, a talk in which I ask people, who do you think you are? And I say that, who do you think you are? Have you ever heard that rebuke from someone, maybe your parents or somebody in an insulting manner? But, But then I ask again, no, 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 really. Who do you think you are? Because depending on who you think you are and who you know you are, you will act accordingly. If you think you're trash, if you think you're worthless, if you think very low, lowly about yourself, then you don't know who you are in God's eyes. And you will be tempted when trouble comes to think that God has abandoned you. But when you know who you are, when you remember you are loved, when you know that you are worth creating, that you are worth dying for, that you are worth rising for, that you're worth returning for, because the Lord will return in glory. (laughs) If you know that and you know God, that God is love, that God is merciful, that God is for you, then no matter what you're feeling, temporarily or even for a long extended period of time, you will continue to say to yourself, soul, know thy God, just like Mm -hmm. the psalmist does. And the Psalms are beautiful. And that one that you mentioned, even the Psalm 22, which we were referring to before, it goes back and forth between why have you abandoned me? But don't abandon me because you know that I have no helper but you. So it's a dialogue of love and of faith and of hope. Oh, beautiful. So those of you who are listening, do you know God loves you? And I wonder if there is a particular passage of scripture that you have that assures you of God's love that you hang on to in those times when circumstances are you telling you otherwise. I'm going to post that question on Instagram at Living the Word Bible, and I hope you'll watch for it this week and let us know what you think. Do you have a favorite scripture verse that assures you of God's love? We will look forward to hearing from you. And Martha, what about you? I bet you have a favorite scripture passage about love. Would you like to share it with us? You probably have have 10. 
<laughs> I have quite a few, <laughs> including, I'll just reference one. Yeah, and there's several, of course, you know, God so, so, so loved the world. I don't know if your translation says that, but mine does in my head. It only says your so Spanish once. One. Yeah, in my Spanish one. Yeah. He so, so, so loved me. That's John 3.16, of course. And then, of course, John 17 goes right with it, you know, that those who accept the love of God are saved, those who accept the Savior, the, his salvation, and those who don't are condemned for not believing. And then, of course, John 1, 4 and Romans 5. But then, oh, I love 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. What, mm. we will, uh, what we will be has not yet been revealed. But what we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. But I did want to share this one. 1 John 4, 10. And it says this. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So in there, St. John, the beloved, he called himself the beloved. He's the evangelist. He's the apostle. He's the one who gave us the book of Revelation besides his three letters in the gospel of St. John. He knew love through and through. Mm -hmm. And he is teaching us in this we know love, that we were loved first. God mm. loved you into existence. He loved me into existence. He thought to himself, I'm going to make me a little Martha, and this is what she's going to be like. And all the characteristics of my personality, of my temperament, the family <clears throat> into which I was born, my, my whole journey, he laid before his eyes. He knows me through and through, and he loves me through and through. And he wants me to become that woman that he dreamt, that he fashioned me to be. And what I'm saying about me is true about you, every single you out there. And so in this, we know God's love, that he loved us first. And that when we were away from God, when we sinned and no longer were in communion with God, he, the father, sent Jesus, his son, to be our propitiation, our redemption, our savior. And that love we can and I have received. And then Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, which we spoke about earlier. And that pouring of the Holy Spirit of divine life, of supernatural grace into my heart. And now God resides inside me. And in that, we know love. That's real love. Wow. You know, I wish everybody listening could see your face because you are just beaming <laughs> with that love. <laughs> So good to see. And if you are listening, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the first letter of John, but it's very short, just a few chapters. And it's all about how God is light and love and how we are as children just enfolded and wrapped up in that light and that love. So you might want to read it all or at least take chapter per, chapter four to prayer sometime, particularly verses seven to 21. And just reflect on and listen to what it teaches about God's love for every single one of us individually, and also how that love should therefore spill over into how we treat one another, because that's sometimes the first way that other people experience the love of God when it comes through us and goes to other people. So let's reflect on, you know, Martha, how about if I do uh, verses 7 to 12? Just listen and allow the word to speak to your heart as I read, and then I'll close this in prayer. You come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to receive your word. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No man or woman has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Heavenly Father, help us to remember that we are loved. Thank you for your word and for the life and the strength that it brings. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive and ponder what you say to us in Scripture, and give us the grace that we need to love and live your word in our daily lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, the living word, amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Word, pray pray for us. So thank you, Martha. It has been wonderful talking to you today. Can you just, before we go, tell people where can they reach you online or to find out more about your ministry? You can find me at these two websites, which currently will redirect you to my Facebook profile and my page because I'm redesigning some things. But you can go to rememberyouareloved.com and you can also find me at marthafernandezsardina.org. So rememberyouareloved.com and marthafernandezsardina.org. You can invite me to your parish, to your diocese, to your group for a, a talk, a retreat, a parish mission, or a love outreach project. And you could also order some resources, some love outreach items, whether it's the t-shirts or the mugs or the wristbands. And if you want to consult me on any matter related to the new evangelization or to love messaging. And you can also find me on radio. I have a, a Monday afternoon radio program, A Life Live Joyfully on the Guadalupe Radio Network. You'll find the links at the uh, two sites that I gave you as well as a Remember You Are Loved segment every Tuesday morning on the morning air show on Relevant Radio. Wonderful. And I will try to get all those links into the show notes. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And remember, you are loved. You too. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So this has been Sarah Chris Meyer with the Living the Word Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you will join me every Thursday for conversations with women who love and live God's Word. You can also join our Instagram community at Living the Word Bible and look for the question this week asking for your favorite verse and thoughts about love. I look forward to the conversation. If you'd like to get a copy of the Living the Word Catholic Women's Bible or the brand new companion journal, They are available to you for a special price, $5 off of each and free shipping. Just go to AveMariaPress.com and use the promo code BiblePodcast, all one word. And the offer is good all year till the end of 2023. God bless you as you read His Word. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.